been better to me than I've been to myself. Oh, I thank you, God. It's only by the grace of God that I stand before you today. It's only by his mercy and his grace that any of us can stand here today and praise and magnify his name. For he is great and he is greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. And he loves you. I don't know what you came here with or what burdens that you have, but he loves you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows what you've dealt with. He knows what you've been through. And he's come to take a load from your life. He's come to relieve the weight that you have. But he is a gentleman and he will not force himself on you. You have to surrender willingly to him. Hallelujah. He is a peace speaker. Can I tell you, he's a storm chaser. There are storms in our life that arise and God will be right there chasing those away. Amen. He is a storm Amen. chaser. Oh God, I praise you. Amen. I have a, a word for us. I was in prayer several weeks ago and, and the Lord laid this on my heart and, and I kept arguing with him. I said, are you sure? I'm usually the last one to know if there's any situations that need to be dealt with, situations that arise in our lives, but I know that this time that we live in is, is coming and wrapping itself up. This world that we live in is dark. And you can try to argue that it hasn't, it might have been dark before, but it has not been this way. It has not been promoted in the media, promoted in life, the darkness, and that it's, it's celebrated in a time that, like, like today. But it cannot and it will not be allowed to go into this group of people we have to make a conscious decision that the darkness will stay out there and will not reach in here I'm going to be reading from 2nd Kings chapter 20 verse 1 through 6 the very familiar passage in 2nd Kings chapter 20 verse 1 through 6 in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, and it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, 
Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And I want to impart to you, to minister to you if I can, just the urgency of the hour and the time. And simply tell you this, just set your house in order. Set your house in order. What we need more than anything is that our house, this dwelling of the Holy Ghost within us is in order for the time that we live in. For the time is short and God is coming very soon. And we have to be ready individually. We can worship and praise in this place, but on an individual level, we have to be ready. We have to set our house in order. Amen. Will you help me pray? Jesus, in your name. Lord, move in this place. Lord God, speak and help me to edify and lift up, Lord God, the body of Christ. Lord, let your will be done. Lord, touch and heal and edify. Lift up. Let us see the hour and the time that we dwell in. Let us know, God, and sense the urgency. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. We've got to set our house in order. Paul to the Corinthian church in chapter 9 and 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul was saying that only the determined get the prize. It's only those that see trials as challenges to overcome that they win. It's true winners have only victory on their minds. He speaks to the Philippians in chapter 3. He says, yea, doubtless, without a doubt, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Winning Christ in today's day has is, is got to be everything to our spirit, everything to our mind. And victory is deliberate. It is not by accident. It's because we got up day in and day out and said, I'm going to strive to enter in at that straight grade. I'm not going to be satisfied with just the status quo. I want to change in my life and I want to see him as he is. The word sin comes from the Hebrew word, which is kata, and that simply means to miss the mark. And if anything, there's one thing that I do is forgetting those things which are behind and looking forth into those things that are before. I press and I reach toward the mark. I may have missed it in the past, but I am going to press now, and I am not missing it. I'm not missing my call to heaven. I'm not going to be sitting here waiting. For something to happen to me, I'm going to take the initiative and I'm going to step out. 
He went and he said, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. It is going to take work. It's going to take introspection. You're going to have to take a look at your life and say, what is lacking? You're going to have to get on your knees before God and say, look, am I perfect? We are striving for a heavenly body. It's not going to be by chance that we wake up and we are in heaven and God's going to be like, oh, you know, just great that you showed up today. It's going to take effort. You're going to have to put something into it. We have a purpose to praise and worship. But there's also a purpose that our praise and worship is who we are and how we walk our day-to-day life. It's who we are on a day. It's like I can just walk into the store and, and, and start talking to people and they can just tell. I go to work and people are like, there's something different about you. And that's because I'm trying to emulate the one who saved my soul. The one who called me out of darkness. The darkness that I could not get out of myself. There's got to be something within me that says I'm different. Paul to the Romans in 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is simply our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We cannot hold to the thoughts that we've had in this life. We cannot just take what's been taught to us from life, from family, from friends, and say that's, that's good enough. It's got to be something that we read in this word, that we hear across the preaching of the word. That's what's going to save your soul. God requires sacrifice. It takes effort. It takes a striving forward. If you are a child of God and you repent and you're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, it is not a one and done thing. That is just a starting point. It is a continual pushing forward. A continual cleansing of yourself saying, God, I am not done here and I'm not happy with just being content where I'm at. There is a change that's got to take place. It is a continual building of our spiritual self. We can sometimes be arrogant in a walk of God. We can sometimes feel that we deserve salvation. After all, our hairs are numbered. God knows all about us. You know, when we were sinners, Christ died for us, so we must be important. And, you know, like John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I am so important. But up in judgment, they're going to open a book and they're going to say, John Doe, blonde hair, 250,000 hairs, blue eyes, 210 pounds. But they're not going to, that's just who you are. They're going to say, hey, here's here's a scenario. Let's check your biography. And what's it going to say? He repented. He went through some hard stuff. That's great. He was baptized in Jesus' name. That's fantastic. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. But are they just going to look there and say, and that's where it stops. There's nothing else after that. There's no other further growing, no other further striving for anything more. I doubt that's going to happen. They're going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've You've strove into this place, and you didn't do it lightly. 
This earthen vessel that is marred was meant to be worked on until it was a ready finished product for heaven. Pastor spoke on Jeremiah and the potter's wheel. We are still continually on that potter's wheel. And he's trying to make adjustments, trying to make perfection there that when our bodies are ready to be offered up, that we are perfect before him. And it takes sometimes smoothing off rough edges. And it takes us being willing to be smoothed out. We are not trying to survive as children of God. We are striving each day to die, not survive. We are striving each day to die to our fleshly and our carnal desires. It's not about surviving. It's not about living the best life we can in this life. It's about sacrificing that we may gain a greater life. Philippians 3 and 10, he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. It is me always striving and following after. Not just staying here and saying, God, I'm just going to be good right here. I thank you for saving my soul, but I'm just good. I'm happy. I have a good bank account. I have good this. No, I've got to strive to enter in. I've got to seek after what I'm trying to get. I must be perfect, and I must strive for perfection, even if I cannot find it in this life. But I'm working towards it. Luke chapter 13 and 24 says, strive to enter in at that straight gate. Jesus did not say, hey, casually go into the straight gate. He said, strive. Yes. Amen. It is not an easy task to do to cut out things that are in our life. But it is necessary for what we're trying to achieve. If an eternity in paradise is worth sacrificing what you can in this life, what's holding us back? What's holding us from sacrificing everything we can to achieve heaven? To whom much is given, much is required. If you are given uh, salvation, if you have been, had your body touched in healing, if you've just had peace of mind every time you lay down at night, much is required. Many here have caught the vision of this through our prayers and fastings. I have spoken to several, and they just, by nature, I have not mentioned any of this. They just begin to talk. I need to do more. I need to clean out more. There's more that I want to get rid of, and there's less of me that I want, and I want more of him. When you begin to sacrifice, as we do in prayer and fasting, setting dedicated time aside, all you want and all you experience is more of God. And it begins to cry out in you, I just want more. How much can I sacrifice? How much can I give? Because the presence of God fills you so greatly that you want nothing more but to experience that all the time. We have an overwhelming hunger and thirst for righteousness. But we cannot allow fear to keep us from striving for perfection in Christ. 
We have the Holy Ghost. So that means we have God inside of us. And God is love, and if perfect love will cast out fear. Your past does not determine your future. You know, I have a fear of skydiving. But honestly, it's not a fear of skydiving. It's a fear that my chute's not going to open. You know, it's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. But, you know, everything's relative. If that plane is burning and crashing, I have no problem jumping out with a shoot on. That fear is gone because there is a definite death and destruction over a possible one. And we will dwell in a past that's a burning plane going down, and we will scrutinize the shoot. Let's have faith in God saying, are you going to jump? Are you going to take this? Are you just going to sit in this burning plane and hope it doesn't crash? God is telling us to take a leap of faith, to step out. Don't just stay the same. Get out of that plane. And on the flip side, some of us have jumped out and we just look back at the burning plane saying, do you remember when that plane wasn't on fire? Do you remember the past? We used to sit in that spot right there that wasn't on fl- burning and crashing. When God's saying, turn around and look at the beauty that I have portrayed in front of you. I've got mountains of blessing and for you. I have rivers of living water in front of you if you'll just watch and look for those. Amen. Don't dwell back on a past that is gone and as worthless. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in all children of dis- disobedience among whom also we have had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're in time past you walked. It's in the past that you used to walk. We should not be fixated on a past that has nothing for us anymore. There is a future. I don't care if you made a mistake an hour ago. You put that behind you and you move forward in what Jesus has for you. Living for God requires work. It requires a striving for perfection. And it requires dying to self. It requires change. Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, which means to kill, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. This is what we strive for. We are seeking those things which are above. The things that we know are eternal. Not these temporal things in this life. Hebrews 12 and 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Leviticus 20 and 26. And ye shall be holy unto me for I the Lord am holy. And have severed you from other people that you should be mine. And 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. Wherefore come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It is holiness. You must be holy because God is holy. You must be separate from this world. There are things we got to clean out. We can't be anything like this world. If you are a city set on a hill, you must be different. If this world's going to come to you. Hezekiah spent the majority of his reign working to undo all the idolatry and evil practices in his kingdom. He did all he could to get the kingdom back to serving the Lord. But I want to give you, show you something here. In 2 Chronicles 30 and 15. Then they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves. And brought in the birth offerings to the house of the Lord. And they stood in their place after their manner, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood which they received of the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Therefore the Levites had the charge of killing the Passovers for everyone that was not clean. To sanctify them unto the Lord. For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulon had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon every one. And listen here, that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed, according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened unto Hezekiah and healed the people. It's that if you are preparing your heart to seek God, You may not be perfect, and you may not have everything right, but if you are striving, if you are seeking after what God has for you, He will accept you. But you got to seek it. And Hezekiah lays dying, and we come back to it. He lays dying, and the man of God comes and says, Set your house in order. And you know Hezekiah prayed, and God said, I'll heal you. And I'm going to give you 15 years. But there was one thing that did not change. In 15 years, he still had to set his house in order. I appreciate what you did for the kingdom of God, but you yourself's got to be ready. You've got to be clean. You've got to set yourself up for victory. You know... Probably between what, what felt like the years of 1999 and maybe 2001. It seemed like that was the age that all the friends and all the cousins began to move away from home, began to move into apartments. And, and it seemed like every other weekend I was helping someone move into a new place. And you know, when you're first moving, it's easy. You know, you got a bed, maybe a dresser, you know, cinder blocks and a two-by-six for an entertainment system and beanbag chairs, and that's guest seating. 
That's pretty easy moving, you know. And so you're doing this on a regular basis. And then by the time you get the last friend moved in, the next, that first friend's ready to move again. And so you're going back. And, and what seems to happen on most of these friends that, that I would have that would move is that they would have a box. It's always just one box. And what this is is a, a memorabilia of probably bad decisions. What they would call good ones. You're like, you remember this? This was so awesome. I was like, I don't remember it that way. But they would keep it. It would be disappointing, and you're like, all right, if you want to keep that. I wouldn't want any people to know about it. But they keep going. And then, you know, these friends start getting married, and so they're moving again. You know, a wife doesn't like this apartment. Well, it, you know, it smells funny. So, but, um, but that box follows with them, and it might have grown. And they don't, you know, maybe the significant other doesn't know anything about what's in this box. And they would keep it because... They can always go back and look inside of it and say, oh, do you remember what we did at this time? Or do you remember these things that we did? And it was just a continual, and everybody that I know had this little box. And, and what the Lord says is that in the spirit, we all have a little box, or some of us had that box. And this box is filled of things that we turn to. When things got a little rough, we'd look back on this past and say, oh, it's gotten a little rough. It's gotten a little stressful in my life, and I can look back, oh, this was a good time. And maybe it's an attitude or a spirit that's in this box. Maybe it's a, an addiction that you have in this box that you're partaking in right now because it helped me through these difficult times, and I can look back and go back to this and say, I've got this, this memory and I've got this thing that I can partake in that still brings me some comfort and joy. And what the Lord's saying is that we have to set our house in order. And these boxes that we turn to, these things in our life, these addictions, these things that are corrupting us secretly, nobody else knows about them, but God knows about it. And he wants you to begin to cut those things out. And I don't know what they are for you. But God sees it, and he wants you to start to cut those things out. Because the time is short, and we are trying to make it to heaven. And you've got to begin to cut these things away and say, I'm going to get rid of this box. I'm going to set my house in order. And I'm closing. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what kind of past you've had, what you've had to deal with in your life. But God is greater than your situation. He's greater than the trials that you are going through. The problem is, is that you have to get your affections on the right thing. If you get close to God, closer than you've ever been before, if you just think in your mind, how close can I get to God? You begin to pursue that. He's going to take away those desires for those things in your life. The closer you get to him, the easier it is to part with that box in your life that you have. But you've got to decide. You've got to strive for it. Don't be content where you're at. There is more and further you can go. And you don't know who you can affect by going deeper, by fasting, by praying, by dedicating yourself, by distancing yourself from this world. You're going to impact lives. Don't try to trust and know, how's it going to happen? Just know that it will happen. We've seen it already, and we'll continue to see it.
We serve a great God. And I don't know if there's someone here that's battling with something or just dealing with life and it's become overwhelming. But if you will just begin to pray and lift your hands to God right now, he is ready to meet. He is ready to impart some strength and courage in your life. We serve a loving God who does not leave you in the condition you're in. You have to stay there. But if you come to God and you say, God, I want something different out of my life. I want to change. I'm tired of the way things are. I want something more. If you begin to pray and you begin to ask Him, He will meet with you in your situation. But you have to relinquish it to Him. You have to give Him all. We have to make ourselves ready for heaven. Make our hearts ready for what's to come. We have to get ready. We have to set our house in order. If there's anybody that wants to come to the front, there are people that will meet with you. We will pray with you. We will believe that God can change your heart, change your situation. But you have to make the call to move forward. You've got to believe that God can do something for you. He loves you so very much. Hallelujah. Can we praise Him for just a little bit? Can we create an environment that He can work in? Hallelujah. Jesus, in your name, we praise you.